Tonight, prejudice at play. Hockey Canada's first report on discrimination on the ice. Hateful insults and intimidation. I think a lot of it is ignorance and we don't realize the impact it's having. The push to prevent toxic behavior. Hopefully we can continue to educate our players. The battleground for better access to care. I was completely shocked and in despair. After a veteran in need was offered a medically assisted death. Plus a life-changing step up. It has helped me in more ways than I could even imagine. Canadian innovation making extraordinary strides. I've had a record-breaking day. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, Heather Butts. Good evening. The worst aspects of Canada's game have always existed in rinks across the country, but have never been measured until now. Hockey Canada says more than 900 documented and alleged incidents of discrimination on the ice took place last season. This is the organization's first ever report tracking these issues. CTV's John Venavalli Rao on the problems behind those numbers. Hurtful words that can be heard at the rink is something Brock McGillis knows all about. He was one of the first pro hockey players to openly come out as gay. And he actually thinks the new report vastly underrepresents homophobia in the game. I think on average one slur per every time a team steps in a locker room would be uh, probably conservative. Last season, Hockey Canada set out to get a better handle on the hateful things sometimes said on the ice implementing a new misconduct rule aimed at addressing and tracking any maltreatment among the half a million who play hockey under the organization. Last season, 512 discrimination penalties were called by an official for taunts or insults related to things like race, religion, disabilities, sexual orientation, and gender ID. While there was an additional 415 allegations not witnessed by an official, resulting in 75 suspensions. Hopefully we can continue to educate our players and educate our coaches so that we don't see these behaviors continuing. Hockey Canada says its members hope to break down the wall of silence around these unacceptable behaviors, like those experienced during a game in PEI by Nova Scotia's Mark Connors. Some of the spectators were chirping me, uh, calling me racial slurs, calling me the N-word. Of the discrimination penalties... 61% were related to sexual orientation and gender ID, 18% race. Though some point out the race number is actually quite high, given fewer people of color play hockey. We have this report that came out, but like now what? What are our next steps? What are our next steps around education? What are our next steps around policy and and helping alleviate a lot of these these issues? Some noting 99% of the penalties were assessed to male players. The report follows the fallout at Hockey Canada, including the handling of sex assault allegations and an action plan to address toxic behaviors. Hockey Canada plans to make these reports available every year and hopes to use the data to identify and respond to any troubling trends. Heather. Thanks, John. A group of MPs say they're reviewing their policies after a man accused of being a Holocaust denier went to one of their events in support of Palestinians. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra was also there. I think what we all need, particularly as MPs, do is be unequivocal about 
saying how unacceptable such views are. MPs from all parties attended, along with a publisher who denies perpetuating anti-Semitism, but whose presence was condemned by multiple Jewish human rights organizations. A Canadian veteran shocked MPs on a parliamentary committee with the details of a call for help and the response she received. Rather than getting the assistance she wanted, a government caseworker asked the former soldier if she wanted an assisted death. Here's CTV's Atlantic Bureau Chief, Chris Anajkate. Retired Corporal Christine Gauthier testified the department that is supposed to help her instead offered her a medically assisted death. And the person in fact mentioned at that point, well, you know that we can assist you with uh, assisted dying now if you'd like. And I was just shocked because it was like, are you serious? Like, that easy, you're going to be helping me to die, but you won't help me to live? The Prime Minister said he will ensure that Veterans Affairs does not offer medically assisted death to veterans again. This is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, and as soon as we heard uh, about this, uh, we took action. A former member of the Canadian military and a five-time world champion Paralympian, Gautier suffered permanent damage to her knees and spine during a training exercise in 1989. For the last five years, she has been fighting for a wheelchair ramp for her home and says the current system is broken. <laughs> it took 18 years to receive a second set of wheels for my wheelchair. Does anybody have just one pair of shoes? Gautier has since provided a copy of the letter to the Prime Minister for review. You cannot just start submitting and offering right to die to people who are not at that state. At least four veterans have received an offer of a medically assisted death by Veterans Affairs, allegedly by the same service agent. Veterans call because they need help. This is where they're told to go get the supports they need after their service to this country. So this is a huge betrayal and we need to see it fixed immediately and I'm calling on the minister to do that. A spokesperson for the Ministry of Veterans Affairs says it doesn't provide advice on medically assisted death and employees have no role or mandate to recommend it. An investigation is now underway. Heather. Grayson, thank you. The family of a woman murdered by an accused serial killer in Manitoba says more has to be done to protect Indigenous women and girls. Those are mothers, those are aunties, those are families, and they deserve to be known as that. Everyone knew who my mother was. There wasn't a single person when we were searching for her. That no, one, no one had a bad thing to say. Everyone knew her. A vigil was held for the women in Winnipeg last night while an admission of a failing system in Ottawa. No one can stand in front of you with confidence to say that this won't happen again. And that's, um, I think that's kind of shameful. Morgan Harris, Mercedes Myron, Rebecca Contois, and a fourth unidentified woman were all killed with Jeremy Skibicki now facing four first-degree murder charges. Two people were arrested in New Brunswick after a double shooting led to an emergency alert about an armed suspects on the run. The RCMP notification went out to cell phones just before 11 this morning after two people were shot in a trailer park near Fredericton. Almost two hours later, police nabbed their suspects and ended the alert. The two shooting victims were taken to hospital where they're expected to recover. Police in New Brunswick have also issued an apology after wrongfully notifying a family their son had died.
Donna Price was informed last week her son was found dead inside a Moncton public washroom, only to discover 13 hours later he was still alive. Officers had misidentified the body. I remember screaming and jumping, but it felt like I was in a time warp or a movie or a bad joke or I, I can't even explain. Ten days after the mix-up, Kodiak RCMP expressed their profound regret and sincere apologies for the incorrect next-of-kin notification. The man found was later identified as Luke Landry. A memorial service was held on Wednesday. A U.S. legal case that frayed relations between Ottawa and Beijing and cost two Canadians their freedom for years ended quietly today. American prosecutors dismissed the charges against Meng Wanzhou. CTV senior political correspondent Glenn McGregor reports. What's your reaction to be granted bail today? The request from the U.S. to extradite Meng Wanzhou sent Canada's relationship with China into a deep freeze. Today, a New York state judge formally brought the four years of legal proceedings against her to an end on request to the U.S. Department of Justice that wrote... The government respectfully moves to dismiss the indictment in this case as to defendant Wang Zhaomeng. In 2018, with a trade dispute between the U.S. and China brewing, the Huawei telecom executive was indicted on allegations of breaching economic sanctions against Iran. At U.S. request, Canada arrested her as she transited through Vancouver. China detained Canadian nationals Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig in apparent retaliation. Last year, though, Meng and the U.S. reached a deferred prosecution agreement, a deal in which she acknowledged making false statements about Huawei's financial affairs, but no trial, no jail, and no extradition. She left the home where she spent her house arrest in Vancouver and returned to China. And the two Michaels were freed after spending more than a thousand days in Chinese jails, paying the price for a prosecution that the U.S. has now abandoned. How the two Michaels are, have gone through this ordeal and how their lives have been damaged and changed forever. Whereas we see Ms. Meng uh, move on in, and she's been promoted essentially uh, since her return to China. But Canada's diplomatic ties to the world's most populous nation remain tense. If there is also, as evidenced by the frosty confrontation last month between the Prime Minister and Chinese President Xi Jinping. Before Meng's arrest, Canada and China were considering starting free trade talks. That idea is now long gone as Canada pursues a new foreign policy in Asia and seeks out more reliable trade partners. Heather. CTV's Glenn McGregor in Ottawa. There's some positive news on the job front today that exceeded expectations. The country added 10,000 jobs in November. That's double what economists forecasted. The unemployment rate fell to 5.1 percent, helping to push that rate lower. A record number of women aged 25 to 54 are now in the workforce. The unemployment rate for Canada's most recent refugees, however, is almost double the national average at 9 percent. And those coming from war-torn Afghanistan face an additional challenge, forced to pay back mounting debts created by Ottawa's lengthy immigration delays. CTV's Judy Trin reports. Before they could board a plane to safety, Afghan refugees had to sign a loan agreement with the federal government, agreeing to pay back the cost of getting them to Canada. Abdul Hadi Iqbalzada signed, not knowing how much he was on the hook for. And we have to sign that document because of our ticket to come into Canada. 
Interest-free loans to pay back flight costs is standard policy for all refugee claimants. But most Afghans will have an additional burden. They will be billed for temporary housing overseas. Seems like the Canadian government is taking advantage of the vulnerability of people to say, OK, well, we haven't managed to get you out of Pakistan for months and months, but, but we're going to make you pay for the time uh, that you're um, waiting there. For example, in Pakistan, Afghans waiting for exit permits are provided meals and hotel rooms at a cost of $150 a day per family. We can always resubmit maybe in a number of weeks. This refugee advocate is calling for additional staff to speed up processing and the removal of flight and hotel costs. They served, they protected our men and women in uniform at great risk to themselves and their families. And secondly, these are going to be Canadians. They're going to live here in our society, down the street from us, and we, we have nothing to gain by making their transition more difficult. The government has already settled 25,000 Afghans over the past year, but isn't providing clear answers as to why 15,000 other claimants are facing delays. We're working with the Pakistani officials to make sure that we're facilitating the smooth uh, transportation of people to Canada. Refugees will have to start paying back their government debt after one year of living in Canada. The loan amount has been capped at $15,000 per family, but the actual cost could be much higher. That's because dependents 22 years and older could be on the hook for separate expenses. Heather. And of course, there are still many refugees on the waiting list for Canada. Thanks, Judy. Six Canadian women, so-called ISIS brides, and 13 children being detained in a sprawling camp in northeastern Syria have cleared a major hurdle in their quest to get here. All of them are now eligible for assessment for repatriation. Global Affairs has determined the 19 detainees have met the threshold for receiving assistance. It still doesn't mean they'll get the help they're asking for, but they will at least be evaluated. Time for a short break, but when we come back... It's a humbling experience to get to see. The attraction to an epic eruption. Plus, the most reported meteor sighting of the year. A memorial totem pole taken nearly a century ago from the Niska Nation in British Columbia will finally return home. The First Nation says the hand-carved pole was stolen in 1929 and later sold to the National Museum of Scotland. The museum agreed to transfer it back to its rightful place after leaders traveled to Edinburgh last August. And I don't think they've all settled in yet for us, but certainly our hearts have been moved with Scotland's commitment to return our family's cultural treasure. Plans are now underway to safely remove the pole and ship it back to B.C. On Hawaii's Big Island, authorities have reduced the speed limit on a major highway as lava from the world's largest active volcano creeps closer. It's now less than five kilometers away. But tonight, despite the warnings, a steady stream of spectators can't seem to keep away. Here's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters. Ilona Eli has a message for the mountain. I wanted to come and pay my respects to our Tutu Pele, um, which we lovingly call the goddess of the volcano. The volcano, Mauna Loa, erupting now for the first time in nearly 40 years and attracting spectators, some drawn just by curiosity, others by the stirrings of long-dormant Hawaiian beliefs. 
that the eruption shows they are part of something bigger. That you're definitely not the main thing here. Whether by chance or the benevolence of Pele, the flowing lava is not threatening any communities. But concerns remain that it may cut off the crucial Daniel K. Inouye Highway. That would leave Sky Mackay with a much longer drive to work. I, I don't know uh, many people that have a four-hour commute. There's still a possibility it will not come to that. Word today is that as the lava moves beyond Mauna Loa's slopes, it's not advancing as fast. So a little bit of progress overnight, but not much um, now that the flow is on the flatter ground. And on one point at least, science and ancient spirituality both arrive at the same undeniable truth. No human power can control what the volcano does. Tutu Pele is going to go where Tutu Pele wants to go, and I mean, we're in her house, so it's kind of just, you go with the flow. And as some go with the flow now, based on traditions of the past, it may be more than a volcano that has reawakened. Tom Walters, CTV News, Los Angeles. Sky gazers were treated to their own fiery view in parts of Canada and the U.S. It wasn't scary. It was more mesmerizing. And it's confirmed, as many observers suspected, that was a flaming meteor last night. They're common, but a lot more people saw this one because of its size and angle. Pretty cool. And on that theme, another impressive sight still ahead tonight. Alex has a new spring in her step thanks to a technical assist. Tomorrow is the UN-designated International Day of Persons with Disabilities. So tonight, we have an example of overcoming the body's limitations through technological innovation. CTV's Alberta Bureau Chief Bill Fortier on one woman's gumption and a glimpse into what's possible. This robotic apparatus looks like something that stepped out of the future. Ready? Yep. One, two, three. And for people with mobility issues... The technology might just be the future. This looks great. Yeah. Alex Mertens has cerebral palsy. She's part of a University of Calgary study into this robotic walker made by Ontario-based Trexo Robotics. It augments the user's power and assists movement. When I'm in the Trexo, it changes my mobility. Three months into the 18-month study, it already appears the technology is giving users more mobility, more strength, and improved physical and mental health. It seems like it is really a, a field-shifting approach to rehabilitation for kids with significant disabilities. I absolutely love this. Before she started walking with this walker back in August, Alex could only manage about 50 steps a day in a traditional walker. Now she's up to 3,500 per day. I used to have chronic knee pain, and now it's gone. It's normal. Out here on the weekends. She's even started an online video series documenting her journey and showcasing her remarkable spirit. But I'm going to try and make it all the way down to the stop sign today. She really runs after every opportunity um, with so much fire and drive, and now she can literally run. <laughs> when her trial ends, Alex has to return the $35,000 unit. She and her family worry about losing all the gains she has made. We're really hoping that we can attain one, of our, one ourselves so that she can continue to be able to use it because it's just been life-changing. Ultimately, if the study continues to show positive results, there's hope that healthcare providers and all levels of government will take note and make the units more accessible. I think uh, 
government supports might be an option. Lending libraries might be an option. It has helped me in more ways than I could even imagine. And maybe within a few years, this will be a more common sight. More Canadians taking steps toward healthier, happier lives. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Calgary. After the break, a piece of movie history hits the market. Ho, ho, ho. How's this for a holiday open house? We leave you tonight with a sentimental holiday classic and your chance to own a part of it. The Cleveland, Ohio home where Ralphie Parker nearly shot his eye out in the 1983 movie A Christmas Story is up for sale. CTV's Joy Malbin has more on the house turned museum and those who once called it home. For people of almost any age, it's the stuff of Christmas's past. Ho, ho, ho. A time before smartphones and the internet, when the worst thing that could happen sometimes did. Over the years, A Christmas Story, that sentimental slice of Americana about young Ralphie Parker and his family, became a fan favorite. What a great laugh. And now, if you can afford it, the Ohio house used in the movie is up for sale. Leg lamp and all. Owner Brian Jones turned this piece of Hollywood history into a museum. But after two decades and 80,000 visitors a year... We've been watching this movie for as long as I can remember. Jones says it's time for new owners. I will miss it, yes. I'll definitely miss it. Uh, it's, it's been like I've done basically most of my adult life has been a Christmas story and running this business. I'm looking for somebody who has the passion and, and desire with the movie that I do. And if you didn't know it, Canada had a starring role in the film from the tree farm to the Chinese restaurant both shot in Toronto. Even the bully himself is Canadian. What, are you going to cry now? Toronto-born Zach Ward. Cry, cry, baby, cry. Yep, that's him. He's back in a grown-up sequel with Ralphie and the Boys and using his Christmas celebrity to raise money to fight Alzheimer's, underlying a core message in the original movie. You know, in a Christmas story, there's no superpowers. There's no Santa Claus flying through the sky. There's no elves delivering presents. It's a story about real people, but there's real magic. And they can see how the family struggles together to overcome the difficult times. There it is! A timely reminder of what matters still. Joy Malvin, CTV News, Washington. A classic movie with a powerful message. That's it for us tonight. I'm Heather Butts. Sandy Ronaldo will be here tomorrow for Omar and all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching and good night. <laughs>